church is primarily who we are in relation to the Lord. Without this, there is no church. A body without the head can no longer live and function. So we relate to one another and to the world out of our relation to Him. In this message, Pictures of the Church, we learn how we are to rightly relate to the Lord Jesus so that we can be the church that He is building. Let's say this out loud, bold and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. May be seated, please. You know, when we think about the church, um, for many of us, our church would bring different pictures to our minds. For some of us, church, oh no, it's that boring place where all these deeply religious people get together. Uh, for some of us, church is like, man, that's the place where the preacher preaches and makes everybody feel bad. And you don't understand that people keep going back every Sunday to be made felt bad, you know. Uh, so church could mean so many different things to us. And also, I, I think many of us, when we think about church and finding a church and being part of a church, uh, we tend to approach it from, you know, what am I going to receive out of that? Hopefully I go to church and somebody says, hey, hi, welcome. They shake my hands, greet me, you look nice today. Or... You go to church and you hear a nice sermon, makes you feel good or learn something. Or you go to church because there is community around you, people that you connect with that you continue and journey in life with outside. Or you go to church because it gives you an opportunity to serve and express uh, your love for God and do things for his kingdom and so on. And all of these things are legitimate. They're all wonderful. There's nothing wrong, inherently wrong in these things. But I want us to, over the next several weeks, get pictures of the church from the Bible, from the New Testament, and uh, try to paint a biblical picture of the church, and in the process understand how we must correctly relate to the church and, 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 and what the church is all about. So that's what we're going to do. Our, the month of November, these next few Sundays. This morning, we're just going to get an overview of different pictures of the church. Just high point them out, look at them briefly. And just begin a, begin a journey, a train of thought. 
where we want to place the emphasis that church primarily is about our relation to him. Which precedes our relationship even to one another. And definitely precedes our relation to the world. For instance, the church is called the body. Now imagine having a wonderful body that is disconnected from its head. That body, in as wonderful as it might be, would be dead. Useless. So church primarily is about, first of all, us being connected, rightly relating to the head. And if that is not there, no matter how impressive the body might look, it's still a dead body. Only fit for the cemetery. So, for us as being part of the church, we must understand that our foremost, the primary thing we must do as being part of the church is for us individually and collectively to relate to Him, Jesus. If we fail in that, everything else we do as a church really has lost its meaning and significance. And in all of these pictures that we will see in the New Testament, this point is brought out for us. Let's begin by looking at the passage in Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19. Matthew 16, 18 through 19, where Jesus said, he's speaking to Peter and he says, I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm telling the truth that on this rock, the rock of the revelation, the revealed truth that Jesus Christ Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, which you find in the preceding verses. He says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. The church is built on this truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, I will build my church. The church is God's idea. The church is not a man-made thing. It's not a human organization. It's not a denomination. It's something Jesus is building. I will build my church. And then he says, he describes to us the kind of church he's going to build. He didn't say, I'll build my church and all of you feel happy with each other. He didn't say, I will build my church and it'll be a great place for you to just have fun. No. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Meaning he's saying, I'm going to build my church And this church that I build is going to be a strong church. It's going to be a powerful church. It's going to be a church that advances against the gates of hell. The gates of hell simply, just to put it very briefly, talks to us about power centers. Centers of demonic domination. And he says, the church I build will advance against 
these power centers, these centers of demonic domination and those gates will not be able to stand it. They will not be able to stop an advancing church. Amen. And so where do you find these gates? Where do you find these demonic centers of domination? It's all around us. In our society, you find these centers of demonic power. There's prostitution, there's a drug addiction, there's uh, all kinds of things happening. Suicide, you find it in government, there's corruption. You find it in the world of business, people, all kinds of misdealings or wrong dealings. You find it in education and people are teaching um, the wrong things to students. Uh, you find it everywhere. These are areas of demonic domination. And Jesus is saying, I will build my church. And this church is not going to be a people who huddle themselves inside a building. But they will be a people who forcefully advance against these powers of darkness. And these powers of darkness will recede. Amen? So that's God's design, His desire for us as a church. For us to be a people who will go wherever the devil is and say, I'm coming to undo what the devil's doing. Amen? That's the kind of church Jesus is building. Now let's pick up a few pictures of the church. Some of us may be familiar with these things. And I'll just give one reference to each picture. Uh, and we will take a few of these and study them in greater depth in the coming Sundays. First picture of the church, the church is called the body. Colossians 1.18. He is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Then all things he might have the preeminence. So the church is likened to, it is the body. It is his body. He's the head. The church is the body. Now, as I mentioned earlier, as a body, our life flows from the head. It flows from him. So we as a body are really not correctly connected to the head. We are a dead body. That means you're a dead church. Amen? We cannot, we can be we can have wonderful programs. We can have something really great in, in organization. We can have the best music. We can have some nice sermons. But listen, if you're not connected to the head, all of that is still dead. So our primary focus must be to be rightly connected to the head. Only then could we as a body have his life flowing through us. Secondly, as his body, we represent him. So when people see us, they have to see Jesus. Not the denomination. Amen? When people see us, they need to see Jesus. An accurate representation of the Jesus in the Bible. Not the Jesus somebody thought about. But the Jesus in the Bible, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whom we liken him or present him to be should not differ from what we see of him in the word, in the Bible. He is the same. Still the same loving, compassionate, forgiving, healing, saving, rescuing, need meeting, devil destroying Jesus. Amen? 
Thirdly, as his body, we are his hands and feet. The body, the head is the command center, but the body is where the execution happens. We are his hands. We do his work. We are his feet. We go where he wants us to go. Amen? So say, Jesus, please go and touch that person. Jesus, you go. You're my body. You're my hands. You're my feet. You go. And lastly, as his body, we are in relationship with one another. We are connected to each other. We are part of that same body. So we need each other. We are dependent on each other. Each one of us is gifted in a certain way. We supply based on our gifting and what God has given us. We are part of that body. And collectively, we can represent him and do the things he wants us to do. The second picture we look at is the house of God. 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes, he says, If I am delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. The house. Family. So the church of the living God is the family of God. That's another picture. We are a family. The house of God. But even in a house, even in a family, first of all, we must be in proper relationship with the Father. Amen? A house without the Father has a great void. We are the Father's house, but if the Father is not here, Something big is missing. So our relationship with the Father is of great importance, even as a family. And it's also true that a son or a daughter that is out of alignment with the Father could easily fall out of alignment with others in the family. You know that, right? You've got a, one of your siblings doesn't like the dad, comes to you and says, hey, daddy's such a mean daddy, you know. And he spoils the others in the family. Why? Because he is or she is out of alignment with the father. So, you know, our relationship with the father will affect our relationship with each other. And so we've got to put things in proper order. Press your relationship with the father. If that's right, then your relationship with his children will be right. But if it's that out of alignment, you'll be out of alignment with his sons and daughters. Thirdly, as a family, we care for one another. We need to extend care. You know, I was thinking about this. I was talking to some of the people here. And I was saying, you know, um, is it possible that some of people in the church couldn't make it to church camp because of the registration fees? And I was feeling bad about it because this year our registration fees was higher than last year. Uh, we moved it up a bit. And I was thinking, I hope, you know, next year maybe we can address that problem so that nobody stays away from church camp just because they're not able to pay that fees. Uh, we subsidize it a bit. It's probably one third of the real actual cost. So what we are asking people to pay is one third of the actual uh, expense. Uh, the church covers the rest. But even then, you know, here's where I thought we could really be a family. That if you know of somebody who is unable to come to church camp because of that reason, then say, hey, I'll pay for you to come. 
We have some amazing testimonies in church of people. Somebody else paid for that person to come to church camp. They came and God touched them powerfully at the camp. So just keep that in mind for 2014. That's just being family. That we care for one another. And you help out somebody. I know it's a little embarrassing, but it's possible that there are some who can't at that moment afford it. And so we just help out and say, come, anywhere. I'll take care of that. The third picture we have of the church is the pillar of truth. In that same verse in 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes, If I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So the church is the pillar, the upholder, the ground, the foundation of truth. So in our world, truth is compromised. There are no absolutes outside. There's no right and wrong. You do what you feel. But the church is here to uphold the truth. It's a pillar of truth. Unshakable as far as the truth is concerned. We are the standard bearers of truth in a sin-sick, corrupt world. So, we must be aligned and committed to the truth as individuals and as a local church. Now, I can't be an upholder of truth if I'm personally not committed to the truth. For example, if I'm not personally committed to integrity, then when I go out to work and uh, there's a situation where I may need to do something that's not honest, I just go with it. So what happens? I'm not an upholder of the truth there. I'm failing to be the church. I'm failing to be the pillar of truth. We must beware of compromise. Yes, we love people. We embrace everyone. But we don't compromise the truth. We love people regardless of what they do, regardless of how they behave, but we don't compromise the truth. And also, we must make the truth relevant, applicable to today's circumstances, to today's situations. To today's problems. We have a truth. But if you don't translate the truth into everyday life. Then this truth becomes ineffective. becomes meaningless. Not because the truth is important. But it is because we are not translating truth into everyday life. So when you go out there and you meet people with problems. You know the truth. But if you don't translate it into their experience. And help them understand. This is, what is, the, this is the right thing to do. This is the way you should be living then that truth no longer doesn't impact their life. So we must translate truth into daily life. So then truth can have impact in the world around us. That's when we are being salt and we're being light. You know, in the church, it's easy to talk, discuss the truth. But where it really matters is out there in the world. Amen? But you and I, are to be pillars of the truth, stand up for the truth, upholders of the truth. You refuse to compromise because you're part of the church, the upholder of truth. A fourth picture of the church is the temple of God. 
1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Paul writes, he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now many times we take this verse of scripture and apply it to us as individuals. Your body is the temple of God. And that's good, that's, act, that's fine. But really Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's writing to a body of believers. And he's saying, you believers, you are the temple of God. So we collectively are the temple the dwelling place of God, the habitation of God, a place where God says, I will put my presence, the temple of God. Together we are the temple of God. So together we have a responsibility of keeping this temple holy and free from defilement. Keep the temple holy. Why? God dwells there. It's his habitation. We've got to keep it holy. Which means I've got to be holy personally. I live in holiness. You live in holiness. Because you're part of the temple of God. Where God dwells. And in his temple, God, or through his temple, God desires to manifest his glory through the temple. The world around must see the glory of God in the temple of God. You find an expression of that in Solomon's temple. I'll just refer to this in 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14. When Solomon built the temple and they came together to dedicate the temple, it tells us that in all the singers, the musicians, they lifted up their voice to God and they said, uh, for, uh, they lifted up their voice in praise to God for he is good for his mercy endures forever. It says the house and the house of the Lord was filled with the clouds. And the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. The glory of God filled the house. Filled the temple. So God really desires to fill his temple. When, Solomon, when Solomon's temple was destroyed and um, the people were called to rebuild the temple. This is in Haggai chapter 2 verse 7 through 9. God says... I will shake the nations and they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord. It says in verse 9, the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former. And in this place I will give you peace. So what does God desire to do? He desires to fill his temple with his glory. And then you and I, to be a people that are filled with the glory of God. Where God's presence is manifested. And he says... I will shake the nations and they will come to the desire of all nations. They will come. Jesus is the desire of all nations. He inhabits his temple and they will come to the temple. They'll come to the temple. You see, when we have a temple that's truly filled with the glory of God, as far as the scripture is concerned, people will come to the temple. They'll come. The glory of God attracts, it draws people. They, it's, it, it's filled with the desire of all nations, meaning what they are desiring. He's here in the temple, they come. He's the desire of all nations. So as a temple, what must our focus be? To have his glory 
in our midst. To have his presence in our midst. We are the temple of God. Amen. Yes, the temple must have all things organized. It must have, you know, things running well. All that is good. But there's something that precedes all that. It's his presence. A temple that does not have God dwelling in it is just an empty shell. Can attract nobody. But a temple that's filled with his glory, he says, nations will come because of the desire of all nations who inhabits the temple. Amen? So as a church, we are called to be the temple of God. Must make sure that we pursue his presence. A few more pictures and we close. Another picture of the church is that we are a house of prayer. The Old Testament scripture that Jesus quotes later in the New Testament. In Isaiah 56 and verse 7 he says, Even them I will bring them to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called the house of prayer for all for all nations. Saying, I want my house to be a house where prayer is ascending for the nations, for people outside. For the city of Bangalore, for the nation of India, for nations around the world. That this will be a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus quotes that in Matthew 21, 12 to 14. As he comes into the temple, he throws out the money changers. And he quotes that verse saying, this temple will be a temple, a house of prayer for all nations. And the Bible says the sick and the lame came to him. The blind and the lame came to him in G- to the temple and he healed them in the temple. That's God's design. That we as a church are a house of prayer for nations. And as we pray, they come in and they receive healing. So God intends for us to be a house of prayer. We need to be engaged in constant prayer for the nations too. A house of prayer for the nations will become an oasis of healing for the nations. Zion, the assembly of God's people. The church is called Zion. In Hebrews 12, 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. So the church is called Mount Zion. It is a city of God. It's a people of God. They've got their citizenship in that city. Some of you have got your other cards. Tells you about your citizenship in India. But the Bible says you are registered in heaven, in Mount Zion, in that city. You're registered there as the church of the living God. You've got your citizenship. And so the church is Mount Zion. It is a, a city, an assembly of citizens registered in heaven. So here on earth, we live as people. Belonging to that heavenly city. Peter brings it out in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. He says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he then says how we are to live as sojourners and pilgrims because our citizenship is up there. Meaning we live as citizens of that 
kingdom of Mount Zion, a heavenly Jerusalem. The last picture we'll mention here this morning, and it's perhaps the most wonderful picture of the church, is that of his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And uh, this relationship is brought out in the passage in Ephesians 5, 22 to 32, where it talks about the relationship between a husband and wife, and Paul parallels that to what Jesus has done and will do for the church. He says Christ died for the church. He gave himself up for it. Now he is washing it with his word. And he's coming back for a church that is without spot or wrinkle. For it to be married, for her to be married to himself. So the church is the bride. He is our groom. And Revelation talks about the marriage of the Lamb. And you and I will be married together with Jesus. Meaning united, being there in his presence. So part of our role here on earth is to be the bride expecting the groom. I'm just pretending to be a woman at this moment. Just trying to think from that. The bride, I can imagine, is lost in her love and admiration and commitment to her groom. So when a lady gets engaged, so to speak, with this guy that she's going to get married to, she's lost in admiration in, in her commitment to that, to her groom. And that's the kind of people we're supposed to be. Or people who are lost in our love and our admiration of Jesus. Our praises then is just a love song. That the bride is singing to her groom. It's the expression of her love, of her adoration, of her admiration for the one that she is going to be with forever. Secondly, the bride adorns herself in what would please her groom. So that she can present herself in her best for the groom. Now I don't know about some ladies. Maybe they will say I'll pick the sari I like. But if you're smart you'll pick the sari that he likes. You know. So that on that wedding day. You will look good not in your eyes. But in his eyes. And that's what we as the bride would do. That we adorn ourselves, we clothe ourselves with what would please him. Now just imagine, suppose the bride puts on perfume that she likes, but causes an itch and a rash and a sneeze in the groom. The moment she comes to the groom and he goes, achoo! <laughs> like, he can't stand that. Now you like it, but he can't stand it. It's a problem now. So you better pick what he likes if you're smart, you know. So it's premarital counseling, you know. Joking. So it's not about adorning myself with what I like. It's about us coming together as a body to present what he likes. Amen? 
So church is not about us having what we like. It's about us having what he likes. So you come and say, I don't like the way that, that pastor dresses, man. Why can't he get a white robe, you know? At least look like a pastor, you know? Or I don't like whatever. You may not like many things here. But it's not about what you like. It's about us getting together to be his bride, to adorn ourselves with what he likes. Amen? Because, you know, suppose we do everything that we like. And he says, but I don't like it. Then all our efforts are wasted. But if we are smart, we'll say, Jesus, what do you like, Lord? We want to do that. We want to sing that. We want to be that. Because we are your brides. Lastly, as a bride, the bride keeps herself for the groom. She does not settle for any other man. Once she's engaged, I mean, she's not going to go be looking or putting her profile on shadi.com. <laughs> hey, you're engaged. You're, you're keeping yourself for the one you're engaged to. And so also us as a church, as his brides, we keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Keep ourselves holy and pure. Why? We're his bride. He's coming back for us. To take us to be with him in heaven. The Bible says we will sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will see the one who has bought us and for whom we've been keeping ourselves all along. So you see in all of these pictures that the two key points I want us to take away this morning is this. That church is primarily who we are in relation to him. The head without the body, no good. The temple without God in it, no good. The pillar without standing up for the truth, no good. The bride without the groom, very sorry, no good. And all of these pictures... Church is primarily who we are in relation to Him. So individually and collectively, we must pursue Him above everything else. Amen? It's about Him. The moment we cease doing that, we cease being the church that He's building. The second thing that I want us to take back with us is that we relate to one another and to the world out of our relation to him. Once that's great, once that relation to him is, is just growing stronger and more powerful, then as we relate to each other, it becomes meaningful. Then as we go out into the world, we become effective and fruitful. So we relate to one another and to the world of our relation to him. In the coming weeks, we're going to take a deeper look on a few of these pictures, just delve into them in a little greater depth. 
And they begin to fashion ourselves, begin to fashion our lives both personally and collectively according to, to what we discover. But I want us to also keep this in our hearts that these pictures of the church is not just meant for Sunday morning. So that on Sunday morning I behave like the bride and the rest of the week I'm not. No. At home, be the bride. Sing love songs to the groom. At home, be the house of prayer. Pray. At home, be the pillar of truth. Uphold truth. At home, be the temple of God. Perceive His presence. Because you and I spend more time outside than here that we get together for two hours. Amen. So what's more important is that when we go out there in our homes and in all other places that we go to, there we be the church. We be His hands and feet. We be His body. We be the pillar of truth. We be the household of God. We be the house of prayer. We be Zion, the people of God, citizens of heaven. It's there that we have to be all these things. Amen. I was thinking about it this morning and I was saying, God, yesterday we had such a wonderful time, three hours almost, just, just great, just worship. How can we do this every day, God? I mean, can we set up meetings like we used to do that a couple of years ago, 40 days of meetings. The moment I started thinking about that, can we just set up another 21 days? I was thinking of Pastor Jake, you know, every evening he has to come and lead worship. I think all the people, and it's, it's taxing when you have these meetings every day. I said, but we can do that, but only few will come. So how can we really have this worship going on all the time? And the one thing I could bring my heart, get to an understanding of is, hey, we need to do this every day in our homes. Be this every day in your home. Be the house of prayer. Be the bride. Be the church. Be the temple. Be the uh, house of God. Be, just be this in your homes, in our homes, every day. Be the church. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We take a few moments this morning, please, to respond to what we've spoken of. We are the church. You are the different pictures of the church that we picked out of the New Testament. There are other pictures. Jesus said he's the vine, we are branches. Revelation compares us to the to a lamp stands. Other pictures of the church as well. But if we personally, individually can be these things, then automatically, as a body, collectively, we'll become these things. Will you just pray, even about one of these things that has spoken to your heart this morning, and say, God, help me. Maybe to be a house of prayer. Maybe to be that dwelling place of God. The temple. Maybe to be his body, his hands, his feet. Maybe to be that pillar of truth. I'm called to be an upholder of truth. Maybe to live as a citizen of Zion. As a peculiar people, a chosen generation. As a sojourner, as a pilgrim in this world. Maybe to live like his bride. 
is falling more and more and more in love with Jesus. Just being so lost towards the groom. Father, this morning we pray that you help us become what we see, Lord, in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament. I will become this church, this kind of people. That collectively, Lord, will be a house of prayer for all nations. Collectively, we will be a temple where your presence and your glory dwells. That we'll be filled with the desire of all nations so that the nations will come. We'll be that bride that is lost in worship and adoration of her groom. Lord, prepare us, make us that kind of people. Work in us, O Lord, by your Spirit. Father, we just thank you for where you brought us in our journey thus far, Lord. And we are praying together as a family, as a people who love you. That you'll continue, God, just to shape us and fashion us and transform us to be the kind of people you desire, Lord. So that, God, we could really do what Jesus envisioned for us to be a church that advances the gates of hell and the powers of darkness retreat before the church in society, in the world. Fashion us and shape us, we pray. Make us a house of prayer. Make us a house of worship, Lord. A temple filled with your glory, God. Make us. Lord, we pray you'll touch each home each family, each individual, God, that we will take this back individually. That we will build the house of prayer in our homes, in our personal lives, in our rooms that we live in, in our apartments that we live in. That we will be the bride that just adorns and adores her groom. That we will be a temple that's kept holy, that is filled with the presence of God the glory of God. That we'll be citizens. We'll be people who live as citizens citizens of another kingdom. That we'll be upholders of the truth. And we'll be a family of sons and daughters, Lord. We'll live in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. We'll be that body that draws its life from the head who is Christ and be his hands and his feet. 
We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Lord, even by your presence here, God, we ask that you will save anyone who needs to be saved this morning. That by your spirit, you'll move upon their hearts, open up their hearts, to turn to you, to welcome you. If there's anyone here this morning, you've never been born again, you never received Jesus Christ into your life, but you feel that pull in your heart saying, yes, I want to receive Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I encourage you, the quietness of your own heart, by a simple prayer in your own heart. You pray right where you are and say, Jesus, from this day, I want to follow you. I want to live for you. Come take control of my life, Jesus. Forgive my sins. Bring me into your family. Help me to follow you, Jesus. Father, I also pray that by your presence you will touch those who are hurting either physically or emotionally, God. Or those who may be bound in certain sins and struggles in their lives. And by your presence, heal people. Set the captives free, we ask, O oh God. Let the chains fall off. Let bondages be broken. Let healing come to hurts and wounds. Let sickness and disease be removed. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Just by your presence in this place. Do it, O oh God. Do it. Let, let broken relationships, Lord, be mended healed and restored. The dreams that are lost now be revived. Oh God. Let fresh vision, let fresh life come into those visions and those dreams we pray. And we thank you, Father, for doing these things. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's close. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you. Surround you with his divine favor and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.